dusk and I'm running my engine, running my engine at dusk. It's been a very dull day and I have little power left. But I think I shall spare you from the full throttle sound of my engine. It's very loud inside the engine room. But I intend to go and sit. To go and sit in the engine room in the dark. be in the dark. The dark. A reading life, a writing life, with writer and teacher Sally Bailey. isn't it? The engine is off. That loud growl at the back of my boat. And I'm now sitting in the engine room on the floor. A small, stark, dark space. Like a second storage room. Or another storage room. An extra terrestrial space. Extra terrestrial, extra terrestrial, extra terrestrial space, extra space, extra terrestrial space. And in front of me there are words written over the ignition. Shire, S-H-I-R-E, Shire, Shire which reminds me always of The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, that word Shire. The Hobbit lives in the Shire. And underneath, the word Barus. B-A-R-R-U-S. And in between, in between, there is the pressure gauge of the engine in units of 10, 10, 20, 30. My revs, my rev count. And on the other side by the door, there are hand-painted flowers in the style of a Dutch barge. Buttercups. Ranunculus. Yellow. White. Red. With star-shaped florets. And long spear-shaped leaves and I am sitting on the floor which is made up of wooden squares and underneath those wooden squares are my engine and to the right of me to the right are two oblong solar panel chargers flashing red and green lights, red and green lights, 
and above my head there are cables running into the solar panels which sit outside my boat and right above my head near the lever the accelerator the accelerator for my engine there is the hatch made of metal metal on wood in fact Wood and metal. Wood and metal. As I sit in my engine room, cold and dark, a wooden box, my camera, obscura, my dark room, my dark room. And you know, and you know, and you know. If you shut your eyes and are a lucky one, you may see at times a shapeless pool of lovely pale colours suspended in the darkness. Then, then, if you squeeze your eyes tighter, the pool begins to take shape and the colours the colours become so vivid with another squeeze that they must go on fire, on fire. But just before, just before they go on fire, you see the lagoon. The lagoon. This is the nearest you ever get to it on the mainland. Just one heavenly moment. If there could be two moments, you might see the surf and the mermaids singing. Peter Pan by J. M. Barry. If you shut your eyes and are a lucky one, you may see at times a shapeless pool of lovely pale colours suspended in the darkness. Then, if you squeeze your eyes tighter, the pool begins to take shape and the colours become so vivid with another squeeze they must go on fire. But just before they go on fire, you see... The lagoon. This is the nearest you ever get to it on the mainland. Just one heavenly moment. One heavenly moment. If there could be two moments, you might see the surf and the mermaids singing. Peter Pan by J. M. Barry. This passage has always made me cry, or rather it nearly made me cry today as I read it and the tears began to prick 
underneath my skin. Perhaps it's because it reminds me of pure imagination, that lagoon, with all those shapes coming at me through the dark. Can you see them? Can you see them from the blue lagoon? The shapes coming through the dark. Close your eyes, close your eyes and you will see pictures, pictures coming through the dark. They are organizing themselves. They have a life of their own. Those pictures, those images in your mind. And you know, when I cannot see the world outside, when I cannot see the world, that man, that man looming through the gloom, that man yesterday looming through the gloom, I could not see him. But still, I can close my eyes and start to see my dark box on the inside. My dark box, my camera, obscura. This morning I saw rain on the window pane. This morning I saw rain on the window pane. And I heard small pellets of water hitting, hitting, hitting my window pane. And I closed my eyes and I saw pools of water rippling, rippling, rippling. The river, the river, it was the river. And inside the pool, a willow tree rippling, rippling drinking. She was drinking. My willow tree was drinking. So thirsty, so thirsty she had gone into the river, my tree. So thirsty she had gone into the river, my tree. And I can see her through the dark, lapping, 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 lapping. The water touching her branches, the water laying over her, Soothing her, soothing her, anointing her, anointing her, my tree bathing in a dark, rippling pool, my tree bathing in a dark, rippling pool. And I am reading a book, I am reading a book called Blindness. Blindness, Blindness, by a Portuguese man whose name I have been practicing saying out loud. Jose Saramago. There is an accent over the E, you know, so you might say Jose, Jose. You might say Jose, 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 you might say. And I gather that growl in my throat. On the J, Jose, 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 because perhaps Jose is a bear. But that book, that book called Blindness, begins with an epigraph, or is it an epit? 
it is an epitaph. It is an epitaph. This. If you can see, look. If you can look, observe. From the book of exhortations. Exhortations. And so I have been thinking of what it might mean, what it might mean to no longer see those things in the world in front of me. That man coming towards me on his bicycle yesterday. That man, that man. I could not see him through the gloom as he hailed me and waved and hailed and spoke out loud through the dark. I could not see him and I mistook him for a stranger, a strange, aggravating man. Then I peered and I saw he was my friend. He was my friend. How we misread the world. How we misread the world. So close your eyes and let the pictures come behind your eyes where that dark pool lies before the lights come on. Before the lights go up. And so now, now I will tell you how it is the pictures come and how it is, I write them down. Sometimes you read something, sometimes you read something and you know immediately the way the words are pointing towards the images that will soon appear. And the people, the people will appear too and they do and they do. And you are grateful. Those people, those people, see, see those people, see, see those people, see, see those people. People jumping from the lagoon, taking you hostage from the lagoon, the lagoon, the lagoon. Ow, ow, pirates, you say pirates. I have been captured by pirates. Pirates they may be. Pirates they may be. But still you are grateful. You are no longer alone as you were as a child in the dark with all those images coming your way. That shapeless pool of fear, how it breathes in the dark. Your mystery, your character. And now I am thinking, now I am thinking of Miss Cull, my spinster. Miss Cull, I have left you lying in your twelfth floor flat in that small seaside town, so far away from here, because we are landlocked. We are landlocked and far, far from the sea. And I have left you, Miss Cull, I have left you all alone in the dark because we are all children in the end. We are all children in the end, no matter how we try to cover it with rites and rituals and modes of manner and please and thank you and thank you and please and may, may, 
may I? We are all children, crying in the dark. And Miss Cull, Miss Cull, I have abandoned you to my pool of fear. I have let you go. I have let you go, Miss Cull. Miss Cull, who reminds me of my music teacher from all those years ago. And I have told you of her, and I have told you of Miss Cull before you have heard of her. She is my character. She is a version of myself, Miss Cull. You have already made your cameo and soon you will appear again in print this summer. Miss Cull, you have already appeared in print twice before now. Twice, Miss Cull, you have appeared. And I wonder what you think of that, Miss Cull. The beginning of your biography. Your character. in the dark, your mystery, and now I want to read to you, I want to read to you from my book called Blindness by Jose Saramago, I want to read to you from my engine room where I am sitting, in the dark. I am blind, I am blind, I am blind. Who would have believed it? Who would have believed it? Seen merely at a glance, the man's eyes seem healthy. The iris looks bright, luminous. The sclera, who has ever said that word out loud before? The sclera, the sclera, the sclera, the sclera. The sclera, white. As compact as porcelain, the eyes wide open, the wrinkled skin of the face, his eyebrows suddenly screwed up. All this, as anyone can see, signifies that he is distraught with anguish. I am blind, I am blind, I am blind. With a rapid movement, with a rapid movement, what was in sight has disappeared behind the man's clenched fists, as if he were still trying to retain inside his mind the final image captured. Captured the final image. A round red light at the traffic lights. I am blind, I am blind, I am blind! He repeated in despair as they helped him to get out of the car. And the tears welling up made those eyes, which he claimed were dead, shine even more. I am blind, I am blind, he repeated in despair as they helped him to get out of the car. And the tears welling up made those eyes, which he claimed were Dead. Shine. Shine. Even more. 
the blind man, waving his fists in despair. And so I lay down my book, here in the dark, I lay down my book, I lay her down, because my eyes are tired and sore, they are weary, they are weary, they are thirsty, they are thirsty for tears, so thirsty, so thirsty, she must go into the river, my eyes, she must go into the river. I must bathe her. So close your eyes. So close your eyes and let the pictures come. Let the images come through that pool of fear. And I can see and I can see and I can see her through the dark lapping, 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 lapping. My tree, I can see her, my tree, and the water is touching her branches, and the water is laying over her. It is soothing her, it is anointing her. My tree, my eyes, my tree is bathing in a dark, rippling pool of pictures. And so you see, and so you see, but I do not see, says Miss Cull, my character, if only I could see, if only to see, if only to see, if only to see, says Miss Cull, on the twelfth floor of a tall block of flats by the sea, but you see Miss Cull cannot see, she cannot see the sea from her kitchen window, so she must climb on a stool and lament. If only I could see, if only I could see, says Miss Cull most mornings, at the lack of view, the lack of a sea view, and so she must climb onto the sink, into the sink, onto the draining board, and press her nose against the window pane, and jiggle the rusty latch until it flies open, and she can twist and turn her body and her neck westward, westward, round the corner and lean out dangerously, craning her neck. If only I could see, if only I could see, if only I could see, says Miss Cull. Most mornings, when she wakes up, something, something in the way, obscuring my seeing, an occlusion, a dark circle hovering over my right eye.
If you shut your eyes and are a lucky one, you may see at times a shapeless pool of lovely pale colours suspended in the darkness. Then, if you squeeze your eyes tighter, the pool begins to take shape, and the colours become so vivid with another squeeze, they must go on fire. But just before they go on fire, you see the lagoon. This is the nearest you ever get to it on the mainland, just one heavenly moment. If there could be two moments, you might see the surf and the mermaids singing. Thank you for listening to A Reading Life, A Writing Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like it, give us a review, or mention us to friends or on social media. Thank you.